I'm J.P. Tuesday. And I'm Kiki Cannon. As lifelong Disney fans, the work of countless talented Disney creatives have shaped our lives. Now, as the Disney catalog expands, we're taking a journey through film and television to discover if that spark that shaped us as children lives on in adulthood. Does your favorite Disney media still cast that same spell? Join us as we find out. We are Rewatching the Magic. Hi, Kiki. Hi, Tuesday. Well, Kiki, they say way back in days of old, there was a legend told about a hero known as Gallivant. No. No? Don't do that. We're not We're not doing this episode as a musical? No. Oh, okay. We can, yes. we can, we can talk it out. We are doing Gallivant Season 1, the ABC show from 2015, a.k.a. the best show you've never watched. I will go on record saying that, because there's a lot of people who do not know that this show exists. Mostly because it only lasted two seasons, there's only 18 episodes of this show completely. And it was a mid-season replacement for Once Upon a Time. So if you were watching Once Upon a Time back in 2015 and the show was on hiatus, you likely were not watching ABC at the time. I knew about this show because the commercials would often play during uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. when I was watching that. Oh, what is this show called? Gallivant. Oh, Ellen Macon is involved, the guy that wrote all of the best songs from the Disney Renaissance. I'm in. The best way to describe Gallivant, and I've heard other people say this, and it is so true, so true. Gallivant is like if you took Monty Python and the Princess Bride and they had a baby. You could say that. I would throw a little bit of a Mel Brooks, especially like Robin Hood, Men in Tights kind of thing. But that's the general vibe I've always heard. And I, I have, I'm hard-pressed to disagree. But, uh, yeah, Gallivant, the brainchild of creator Dan Fogelman, who, he's the director of Tangled. And he met, he met Alan Macon while they were working on Tangled. And they came up with this show. This show about swords and sorcery, and it make made it a, a a musical TV show. Not the first musical TV show to exist. Uh, Kiki, do you remember a TV show called Cop Rock? Yep. So yeah. Oh, we are showing our age. But yeah, an idea. You know, well, musicals. You know, you watch a, a, a film musical or a stage musical, but a TV show musical that, that I think, at least for adults, might be too much to swallow. But, yeah, and it kind of started a wave of musical TV shows for the last couple of years because not long after this, the CW would do Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, a uh, TV show called Smash, Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist. And uh, the most recent one, Rest in Peace, Megadoon. Yeah, maybe somebody else will pick that up. Yeah. 
I heard they're trying to shop it around. Disney, pick up Schmigadoon. But yeah, the idea of a weekly television series that was a musical, somehow this works because like the comedy works so well, the songs work so well, the cast is damn near perfect. Like if you grew up like this movie was kind of made for us because if you grew up with the Disney Renaissance, especially with Ellen Mankin's songs in that era, you get that feeling of familiarity in this show. And then they go, well, we're going to subvert your expectation of Disney Renaissance movies. And right in the first five minutes, we are off to the races. <laughs> I mentioned the cast. I mean, Joshua Sass, Timmy, uh, <coughs> Timothy Udmanson, Vinnie Jones, Mallory Jansen. Mallory Jansen, if, again, I mentioned S.H.I.E.L.D., right after she did Galavan, she would join the cast of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. So she just that was that was kind of cool. Like like this whole even even like the guest stars that they had for the one episodes were 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 perfect because you had you know for season one weird Ali Yankovic as a singing monk. Mwah, I'm sold. <laughs> yeah. And you know, they had like Rutger Hauer and Hugh Bonneville. And, you know, who is probably my favorite character, um, Sophie McShear is Gwen, the, the handmaiden. The, the handmaiden. And, I mean, her, her and Hugh Bonneville, both from Downton Abbey. Mm-hmm. So I knew them from, from that, of course. Um, and she plays my favorite character on Downton Abbey, too. So. <laughs> Um, it was kind of, and what's so funny is she plays kind of the same character on both shows. You know, she's like the, the maid who is kind of like, hey, you know, rich people kind of suck. We should take them down. (laughs) Like, like she's the most based character in like both series. Of course, you know, John Stamos in here as well. Um, Anthony Stewart Head, yeah, for like twenty seconds, who is horribly underused. Um, I mean, the best person in the main cast, easily Timothy Almondson. Yeah, this we've we've right. talked before about people whose careers I have followed since Xena, because mm-hmm. we talked about it with Carl Urban, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and Timothy Almondson is one of those too. He was I. I saw him first on Xena, um, where he played Eli, and it's been so weird to watch his career just continue and him showing up in things that I'm like, oh, well, fancy seeing you here, <laughs> you know. Like, uh, Eli was the Jesus stand-in, right? <laughs> yeah, he was. He was kind of the the weird Jesusy stand-in in Xena. Um, and it was, it was such an odd storyline, but, you know, he played it so well. Um, and I've heard nothing but good things about him from the, yeah, he, you know. He's definitely the best character of the main cast in here. And like this, I mean, his entire story arc throughout both seasons makes this show. Like, it's really weird to say that. The best part of 
the show called Galavan is not the character called Galavan. <laughs> you know, I'm gonna I I've probably said it before, but I'm I'm gonna say it again now. Like honestly, if your main character in a series is the most interesting character, I think you're doing it wrong. Hmm. Um a lot of protagonists are meant to be kind of the quote-unquote everyman. And so they tend not to have, like, really strong personalities. So the viewer can in, 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 uh, impart themselves onto the main character. Yeah, it's like, oh, here's a stand-in for you, viewer, whoever you may be. So... The most interesting characters in most stories are the backup characters. It's why a lot of people like villains. Because you're not generally meant to, like, put yourself in the place of the villain. So the villain can be, like, a fully fleshed out character. Because the protagonist kind of generally has to be like look viewer this could be you and the viewer could literally be anybody mm -hmm. but the villain can be like a very set specific character with a lot of like very interesting traits or the sidekick can also be you know a very specific character because you're not meant to put yourself in the place of the sidekick you know? Mm -hmm. So when the writers are doing this, the main character tends to be kind of frequently bland and blank slate. And then the characters surrounding them tend to be very concrete in who they are. Mm -hmm. So I tend to think that if your protagonist, your main character, your title character, is the most fleshed out one, you're kind of doing it wrong. Not to say Gallivant doesn't have his own story arc. It's just, it's I'm the hero. Yeah, he is kind of uh, the bland dude, you know? Mm -hmm. um, whereas everybody else really has a stronger character. Gallivant is just kind of like, he is the knight who thinks too much of himself, which is kind of a standard trope. Obsessed over his ex is like his character trait for the majority of the first season. Yeah, but a lot of the other characters have like very interesting or sometimes it could be interesting if it would have been more fleshed out. Mm -hmm. um, character traits. Mm -hmm. um, but like Gareth, who is played wonderfully by Vinnie Jones. He should have like, sang more. He should have. And he did have a song. I'm going to throw this out there before we really get into him. Is that I actually listened to the complete soundtrack, which actually has songs that were cut from the show. Vinnie Jones has a song in the on the complete soundtrack called Manlyology, which is where he teaches King Richard how to be a manly man. Now, that scene in the TV show only lasts a few seconds, 
but it was originally going to be a big old musical number. And they got cut. So the only singing we get from Vinnie Jones is like one line of song in, in the final episode. It's really weird um, for that. At least but, they give him another song in season two. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I have not seen season two. Um, I, I'm going to go ahead and put this out there. When this first came on, I watched the first couple of episodes. Like, I, I think I watched like two or three episodes. And then I lost interest in it. And so most of this was a first watch for me. Mm. And I have not seen season two. Uh, so, yeah. That's fair. That's fair. The way this aired on television is also weird because these are half hour episodes. But they aired two half hour episodes back to back. Again, to fill out the time slot left by Once Upon a Time. So you get two episodes back to back. That's why if you watch the episodes as they are on on Hulu, because we watched this uh, technical, it's on Hulu, but we watched it on Disney Plus because of the new Disney Plus Hulu crossover thing they've got going on. But uh, yeah, if like episode one and two kind of lead directly lead into each other, and then you don't really get the previously on Galavan until episode three, and so on and so forth. So yeah. <laughs> But, uh, you know, I'm surprised that they did not re-edit this into an hour format. Like, for example, Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. That was originally designed to be a half-hour series, but it became an hour series, so they edited the episodes together. Uh, whatever. It's just weird that that's how they intended the, the intention of the show versus how it was broadcast. Okay, I'm going to say this right now. You're starting to think I'm going to tell you a lot of the story. I'm not. I'm only going to tell you the first five minutes of the first episode. So bear with me if you haven't seen the show before. Gallivant is a brave and noble knight who is in love with a beautiful maiden named Madalena, and they make love passionately every night. This is in the song. One day... Richard, a king of wealth and stature from a nearby kingdom, kidnaps Madalena to be his bride, and Gallivant rushes to save her, save the prince, save the maiden, because he's a knight and that's what heroes do. When the final confrontation happens, she, Gallivant says, you can offer her great wealth, Richard, but I can offer her great love. And Madalena says, you know what? I'm going to choose great wealth. And we find out later through the show that Madalena grew up very poor. She grew up in this small village. She doesn't want to go back to that. She's been treated like a queen in the castle. She is about to be the queen of the kingdom. Why would she give up all of that to live in a hut with a sweaty knight and have a bunch of kids? That is literally the first five minutes of the first episode. And right at the beginning of this series, this is subverting every expectation anyone who watched, who has ever watched a Disney movie had. Like, you think, oh, he's going to save the maiden. He's going to save the day. They're going to live happily ever after. Nope. 
And this causes Gallivant to go into a spiral of depression where he just becomes a booze hound. He is drinking his sorrows away because the love of his life has chosen money over love. Richard and Madalena now live in a loveless marriage, a loveless, sexless marriage, mind you. As they, as, as, uh, the, the movie, uh, the series skips one year ahead. They have not been in the same bed together. In fact, Madalena has had multiple partners elsewhere in the castle, including the court jester, just not the king. And everybody knows it. Except the king. Richard is not the brightest bulb, as it were. So right there, the idea of the fair maiden kind of, you know, Madalena's heel turn and that change and that goes throughout the entire series. Of as the series progresses, Madalena becomes more and more cruel and cold and vicious as she gains more and more power as queen. That is a very interesting story, honestly. I do kind of like that setup, you know, where it's like. It's like, hello, I've come to rescue you. And she's like, yeah, but I'm a queen now. So that has its privileges. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and you find out, I mean, you know, skipping ahead, possibly one of my favorite songs in the whole thing mm-hmm. is kind of at a later reunion they have and Galavan is like hey I I love you so much you know I I love you more than anybody could love anybody and you know everything and her response is I love you as much as somebody like me can love anybody because yeah. she doesn't really love anybody she, she just uses herself. she just uses people for sex and power she even straight up says the only reason she was ever with Gallivan was because he was hot. He was a yeah, knight. He was, yeah, he was hot and he was good at sex. He wasn't he was a knight, so he had some level of power. He was hot. He was good in bed. And that's re- and she loved the she loved the idea of everyone in the village looking at them, look how awesome we are as a couple. Like she never truly loved Gallivan's. She loved the position Gallivant had and the position she had by being associated with with Gallivant. But now that she's the queen, she doesn't really need that. She does she does consider to have Gallivant as her consort in her bed, possibly even together the two of them overthrowing Richard. But love not really. She just wants power and sex. And this horrifies Gallivant. Like, what happened to the Madalena I loved? And it kind of shows that the Madalena he loved kind of never existed. Yeah, you can you can see that she was playing him the whole time. And it's 
very sad from, you know, from that point of view. Um, and you, you know when you look back on it in that opening song, you can really see in retrospect that she was not really in love with him. Because it talks about, like, how much he loved her. But then most of it is just them sleeping together, you know? <laughs> like, Yeah, it, when it comes to Madalena, the song just t- talks about how hot she is. And it's like, on first watch, it's like, oh, they're, they're very much objectifying her. No, she literally is, I'm beautiful, I'm hot, you're beautiful, you're hot. That's the only reason I'm with you. So even if she wasn't in the position of being a queen, she would still have this I'm better than everybody else uh, mentality. It was just be that she also would be poor at the same time. So it's not a sense it's not a sense of power corrupting, because if that was the situation, uh, you can kind of understand she was this good girl, got a bit of power, became became corrupted. It feels like this is how she always was. It's just that getting that taste of power, getting that taste of being the queen just made her more of who she was. Yeah. Back to Richard. As I mentioned, Richard has not yet bedded his wife. In fact, he has not bedded any woman. He makes the statement known. And it's kind of a situation where he's kind of, uh, um, as Gareth says, he's you're kind of a wimp. You know, I'm trying to teach you how to be a man and you're just being a wimp. You, you're, you're a coward. You're, you're not brave. You're, you're, you're nothing that a king should be. As Gareth would say to him. He doesn't say it in those words. He kind of says it very cruelly. But in that, in that way, in a way, he's kind of right, Richard. But as we find out through the series, uh, Richard uh, Richard was never meant to be the king. His brother was. His brother, his, the firstborn, Kingsley, was supposed to be the king. But he abdicated the throne because he did not want to be given the throne. He wanted to be a conqueror. So he left the kingdom to go conquer other realms, leaving his younger brother there to take the throne in his place, a throne he was never taught to. He was never taught to be a king. He was never expected to be the king. Richard was, you know, Kingsley was the heir and Richard was the spare and the spare got the throne. Uh, As you said, he was always second choice in his entire life. He was the second favorite son. He was the second choice to be king. And likewise, he was the second choice lover of Madalena. The The interesting thing is, though, is that kind of the one redeemable thing about Richard mm-hmm. is that when he tells Gallivant in his drunken state that he has, he is still a virgin. Um. He says, you know, I'll kidnap a woman and force her to marry me, but I have my limits. 
And he says that he thinks that sex should be saved until you're in love. Which Gallivan actually says, you know, hey, that's actually a good thing. You know, he, he, you know, he toasts him to get that's hey, forward thinking. Yeah. And it's kind of interesting because like. It's weird because Richard is not really a great guy. You know, he's constantly going around murdering people and stuff. But. Like, that's the line he will not cross. Like, if she doesn't want to sleep with him, he's not going to force her. Mm-hmm. Which is actually kind of awesome of him. Mm-hmm. And then, like, when he finally is told that she's sleeping with the jester, he tells the jester, like, I thought about killing you, but I decided instead that you should teach me how to woo my wife. Like, that's all he wants. He just wants to, like, win her affection. And that's the whole point of Gallivan here, is that that's why uh, Richard sets up this plan, to get Gallivan to come back to him, to murder Gallivan in front of Madalena in an attempt to win Madalena over. Oh, you're still in love with Gallivan? Fine, I'm going to get Gallivan back here. I'm going to kill him in front of you, and then you'll have to love me. I and don't does, know. I don't know what the logic there is, but uh, okay. I mean, eh, he even conquers a neighboring kingdom because he thinks it'll impress Madalena to go to bed with him. He conquers the neighboring kingdom of Valencia for this jewel that he be- that Madalena wants. He's going to give her this jewel, and then Madalena is going to love him, and then that doesn't work. Okay, I have the jewel. I'm not going to give it to Madalena. Princess Princess Isabella, I'm going to send you to go get Gallivant, bring him here, and then he goes with his plan. I'm going to kill Gallivant, and then Madalena will love me. And the fact that Gallivant never picks up on this plan. Yes, Isabella has guilt over what she's doing, but she's doing it because if she doesn't, her parents will get killed by King Richard. And I want to talk about the plan there with how Richard sends Isabella. Because at first, we're led to think, like, okay, Isabella is just looking for help from a knight, because that's the way the story goes. Mm -hmm. But then you find out that she's the the trap for Gallivant. You know, like, oh, please help me. My kingdom's in danger. But really, Richard sent her there to to lure him in. And I love that he knows that the exact things to say to get Gallivant to come, because, you know, Tell Gallivant that Madalena says she's sorry. Tell Gallivant that 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 tell Gallivant that I abuse my wife. Tell Gallivant that I'm cruel and vicious to her. And tell Gallivant that Madalena cries every night calling for him. Because that's gonna get him here. Yeah. Um it that little thing where 
she, Isabella says the thing about like, oh, she cries out every night. I'm so sorry, gals. She must have left a bunch of women behind, you know, mm-hmm. because Madalena called him gal. And it's just believable enough that Gallivant falls for it, you know. And I love how they do that scene because they're constantly cutting back to the past where Richard is telling her what to say and cutting to the present where Isabella is saying the same story and how the the story overlaps between the two characters. I love how that's shot. I love how that comes off. It's 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 a great scene. But yeah, it's all being, it's all a ploy to get Gallivant to come to Valencia for this plot to kill him. And it's, it works because Gallivant is still in love with Madalena. He needs, he, he feels that if he can defeat Richard, he can win her back and they can live happily ever after. The, the thing about, um, the whole plan is that, you know, Madalena wants the jewel and Richard is like, oh, sorry, we haven't found the jewel. But he sends the jewel with Isabella to bribe Gallivant as payment, knowing that Gallivant won't care about the jewel. He'll do it just to save Madalena. Mm-hmm. And so that he'll get Gallivant back so he can kill him and he'll be able to get the jewel for Madalena, you know. And he's got Isabella's parents hostage. So, you know, it's not necessarily a bad plan. But it's just that he underestimates how evil Madalena is. Yeah, Madalena basically stages a coup halfway through the halfway through the season. Cause like her thing is that okay, once she figures it out, once she overhears Richard and the plan about halfway through the season, she forms a plan of her own. My husband is a wimp. My ex-lover is going to come back. I need to have a plan to fit to get rid of all of this, all of these idiots, and I will be the sole ruler. And it's a great song, you know. No one lets you know. No one like me. I'm the only one that can do it. But singing with the mirrors, very merry, very, <laughs> very mirroring other similar similar scenes from other Disney musicals. And gotta be honest, it's probably a, one of the best villain songs. It's weird, but yeah, I I did like it as a villain song. She sends a message out to find uh, Richard's brother Kingsley and bring him to Valencia to overthrow Richard, so she can marry an actual, in her eyes, manly man king. A strong king, a powerful king, a king that actually knows what he's doing, and just rule with with more power. And you know, like as I said, she, her plan is to have King Kingsley as her new husband and in power, have Gallivant as her consort, and then rule 
Valencia that way. Galavant's not going for it. It's like, no, you're not the woman I loved, blah, blah, blah. Kingsley is just, doesn't really care either way. Kingsley at no point shows any affection towards Madalena. I mean, he even, uh, but they both have this desire for power and it's desire for conquest and they're gonna, they're gonna do the thing. And so, yeah, Madalena stages a coup with Richard's own brother. And yeah, and it's, it's, it's so dark. And again, it just shows how how far Madalena has gone into the dark side with this now she's had this taste of power. She wants more. Not only does she want more, she wants all of it. She doesn't just want to be the queen to the king. She wants to be the ruler. Yeah, she she very much has a an ambition and Richard is in her way. Mm-hmm. She needs him to get access to the throne. But then once she's got access to the throne, he is completely superfluous. <laughs> yeah. Um, and in a way, it's kind of like, you know, you go girl boss queen. Because he is kind of useless. I'm not saying he needs to be more manly or anything, um, because that's ridiculous, but... He has no self-respect. He has no self-respect, and also he doesn't really do anything except murder people who annoy him. He's cosplaying a king. He's doing things that he thinks a king would do. Granted, he's not a nice guy, but that is how he was raised to be. But he he is doing all of these things because he believes that is what a king should do. Whether he enjoys it or not, relevant. But, yeah. Even, like, like I said, Gareth is trying with him. He even says, I tried with you. I tried to make you a real king and you failed. And it's weird because he tries to, to figure out what am I doing wrong and he does kind of get a circle of friends in a way. Granted, the circle of friends is his bodyguard and the cook. But, uh, yeah. I want to switch gears a bit and talk about a character we haven't talked about yet. Sid. Who is Galavan's squire. Sid, he believes in Galavan. He's trying to get Galavan back on on his feet after being heartbroken. It hurts him to see his 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 knight in a in a bar getting drunk every day. He's trying to encourage him, you know, take this woman on her offer, be the Galavan you used to be. Yeah, and reclaim what, your knightly glory. Yeah, because he believes in Galavan. He's you know like you're the hero, be a hero. And they, so when they're finally on their way, they stop uh, at Sid's hometown to to kind of rest for the night before they go on their big journey across the sea to Valencia. And that entire episode is very is is eye opening for Gallivant. 
because they've the town has renamed itself Sydneyland after Sid. As Sid has kind of told this big lie to his family that he has become a great knight and that Gallivant is his squire. So, like, he is this big hero. He arrives to the town. Everyone's giving him the big hero's welcome. He's a celebrity. And all of the, you know, his family is so proud of him. Every woman in the kingdom is saying, sign my boobs. But Gallivant, since he's supposed to play the role of squire, is stuck with the other squires. He is treated the way he treated Sid. And it's a very big eye-opening moment for him because he finally sees how borderline abusive he's been to Sid as a squire. That great song, Jackass in a Can, where he finally realizes, oh my god, I'm a jackass. I have treated my squire like trash. I have to be better. And that is really the start of the change in Gallivant from just being, I'm a hero, I'm a knight, to more fully fleshed out character. Granted, he's still in that, I'm in love with Madeleine, I'm going to save her, but he starts to become a more well-rounded character from that point on, slowly but surely. I like Sid because you get the idea that you know, he had a lot of pressure from his parents. Mm. Um, being the adopted child and wanting to have, you know, wanting to prove himself to his parents and his community. And he goes away and he gets a job as a squire and it's not that great, you know. And then his night completely falls apart. <laughs> and it's like, a squire can be a decent job if your knight is, you know, doing great deeds. And, you know, the, the idea of a squire was that you were being prepared to also maybe become a knight one day. But the the thing is, is that, like, Gallivant completely falls apart, and now he's just a servant to a dude who's getting drunk all the time and not doing anything. So you kind of feel for Sid, because he's thought he was going to be able to do a bunch of good deeds and help and, you know, move forward in his life and instead it's just like oh great the guy who was helping me hit the skids and now I'm screwed yeah and so you can't really blame him for you know writing back home and being like hey you know I made it as a knight and I'm doing good deed you know mm -hmm. Oh, look, I have a princess as my fiancé. Yeah. Well, that was more Isabella's problems. Yeah. They they do a bit where, apparently in Valencia, they do a lot of improv in their, in their kingdom. 
So Isabella just kind of went into improv mode and kind of put herself in that position. Yeah, Isabella got a little too yes and with it and kind of screwed the pooch on that one. I mean, she did it because she kind of sees Sid as a friend at this point. So she was just trying to help her friend and it kind of went a little too far. But it, like I said, it does open up Gallivant's eyes to how he's been treating Sid. And, you know, the two become a little bit... He starts treating Sid a little bit better throughout the rest of the season. And it, 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 you kind of you kind of needed that for Gallivant. He, yeah, he even says it in, his, in, in, in the series. He's getting off his high horse. Especially seeing the, 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 other, the other squires and the other servants, how they how they're treated and how they get their little bit of revenge, especially the, uh, you know, spitting in the ale of, of their knights and whatnot. But uh, on Isabella, Isabella has a lot more problems in this show because yes, her, her parents, her kingdom has been overtaken by Richard and, and, and Madalena. Her parents are being threatened. She has to bring Gallivant to the kingdom to get him killed he is. She is engaged to her cousin Prince Harry, who is like ten. As the Queen says, our family tree goes only in one direction, up. Yeah, out. and they're very proud of that. Yes. Can we talk about the the songs for a little bit? Go ahead. I want to say, you know, we love Alan Menken on, oh, yeah. on this on this podcast. Little um, Mermaid, Beauty and the Beast. Aladdin, yeah. Yeah. Um and you know, we've we've got uh Glenn Slater as the, the lyricist who, you know, he's he's done some good stuff. Tangled. Um, I mean just mentioned, yeah, Tangled. Yeah, and uh he did uh rip uh some songs for the um Broadway version of the Little Mermaid. So he's already familiar with Mankin in that regard. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm I'm not saying that like he he's he's a bad guy or anything. Mm-hmm. But I gotta say, one of the things that was kind of lesser for me on this was the songs. And this is a musical. And that's what it's billed as. Like, a lot of the songs were just not as good as this team, I felt, should have been able to produce. I mean, they wrote 29 songs for the se- for eight episodes. I, and, and I understand that. Yeah. You know. Um... You mentioned earlier some of the other TV musicals that have come out recently. And, you know, I didn't watch all of Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, but there are some absolute bangers in that soundtrack. Um, Smash, I personally loved. That's kind of my favorite of the TV musicals that have come out recently. Um, and I sing songs from that all the time. You know, some of the other ones that have come out recently, they've got some great songs in them. 
I will not be singing anything from Gallivant. Hmm. There were some songs that I kind of liked the the premise behind, and almost all of them were the "Hey, love is kind of weird" songs. Mm-hmm. Maybe you're not the worst thing ever is probably the most. It's probably the best not love songs. Like, like I would, I can't. I it's not really a love song, and I don't really want to call it an anti love song, but it's somewhere in the middle. Like it's a song of two people who can't stand each other, who are saying, you know, maybe we can try to make this work. You're not the worst thing ever. Well, you know, there there's some songs that I kind of liked, you know, the we've already talked about the you know, I love you as much as anybody like me can. Mm-hmm. That was that was a good song. Um but the thing is is that while I like the idea of the song, I don't remember how to sing that song. Like, it's not stuck in my head. Mm. Um, I liked the idea, you know, behind, yeah, maybe you're not the worst thing ever. I like the song that the the chef and the maid sing to each other. If I could spend my life with you, yes. <laughs> yeah, it, you know, which is all about, like, hey, life really sucks, but it would suck just a fraction less if with we you. were together. Yeah. You know, like, we're peasants, and our life is going to be brutal and short, but it's it's going to be just slightly more bearable if we're together. Which is, you know, boy, can't you feel that nowadays? Yeah, and it's, at the time, it was my favorite song on the soundtrack. Yeah. And probably, like, the one, the, the funniest song, at least to me. Just because they're so deadpan at, you know, of, you know, we're going to have the, you know, through the lice and the leprosy, we're going to spend our life together. We'll have a dozen kids and maybe one won't die. Yeah. Um, My favorite song, which is when the maid sings about, uh, let's poison all the rich people. And I was going to get to that. Yeah. Won't that be like super fun? Which. Kill all the kill all the royals that are there. <laughs> yeah, and like that's probably my favorite song of the whole season. A happy ending for us. That is the name of the song. Yeah. Um just because like it's it's such a happy song, you know? A happy song about death. Yeah. Like I said, a happy song. Um it's, but the thing is, is that as much as I like the concepts behind all of those songs, I can, I, I'm not going around singing any of them because they didn't stick in my brain. The only the, one you're going to probably stick around with is the Gallivant song because it gets played, it gets played in every episode. So that melody is going to stick in your head. And as I told you before we started recording, the only reason that the Gallivant tune sticks in my head 
is because Alan Menken reused that riff from a previous song he wrote. It is the same riff, the opening riff to the Gallivant song. Way back in days of old, there was a legend told about a hero known as Gallivant. Is the same riff as the opening riff to a song he wrote for the Broadway version of Beauty and the Beast, a song called If I Can't Love Her. And in my twisted face There's not the slightest trace It should have been in the movie, the remake. Yeah, instead they wrote a new song for the Beast to sing that is basically kind of the same idea, but a different, worser song. Mm -hmm. And that was because they were going for like an Oscar or something, and uh, it didn't work out for them. That is the exact same riff, it's just sped up. And it took me like probably four episodes to figure out why I kept wanting to sing different lyrics to that song. Mm -hmm. And then I finally figured it out. I had to Google it because I was like, I was remembering different lyrics, but I couldn't quite remember where they were from. And I Googled the lyrics I was singing during Calvant and I was like, oh that's that's the song it's from. But it's the exact same riff, it's just a different tempo. Um and the thing is is that like yeah there's a lot of good concepts in the song but for Alan Menken songs I'm not they're not sticking in my head. Mm. And I am a person, you know, my, my father says I remember every song I've heard since I was like three years old. And it's true. You know, I have an amazing memory for music. And these songs are not sticking in my head. The concept is there. But the, the tune and the lyrics are not. And that's that's not good for somebody like me. Mm. That's that's not usual. You know, I watch a musical and I go home humming the songs. Mm -hmm. Um and that this is this is not sticking with me. And the songs are very short, so like you have, you know, all of these songs are like, you know, 90 seconds long mm -hmm. so you you don't have long to get in and get out with a hook the longest song i think in the se in the season one at least is like secret mission is when gallivant and richard drunk off their bus try to try to murder kingsley and gonna be honest that song goes on a little bit too long yeah it does kind of just you know secret mission secret mission secret mission but first another drink yeah yes 
And what's so funny is I don't know what Gallivant's plan was there because it starts out when they're in the pub and he's like, oh, yeah, you should drink up. And it looks like Gallivant is getting Richard drunk, but Gallivant is not drinking himself. Yeah, because okay, the, the whole setup is that Richard is called out uh, uh, and he decides I'm going to fight my own battles for the first time in my life. Because the setup was Kingsley and Gal and Richard are going to fight over the crown and they're going to choose a champion. Kingsley chooses Gareth as his champion. Richard chooses Gallivant as his champion. Winner gets the crown. Fine. It's cliche. But Richard is coerced into fighting his own battle for the first time. He thinks he's going to fight Kingsley one-on-one. King says, no, I chose Gareth to be my champion you are going to fight Gareth. Now, you think the way they set this up is that Gallivant is going to get Richard drunk, so he's not able to appear in this battle, and Gallivant is going to take his original place to fight Gareth. But, no. They both get drunk, and then their drunken stupor decide, we're going to kill Kingsley. And they botch it completely because they're drunk off their asses. Even if the plan was to kill Kingsley, Gallivan should not have been drunk either. He could have gotten Richard to a drunken state that he could go along with the plan, get him into the castle, and then Gallivan can kill Kingsley. But because they're both drunk, the plan backfires. You're right. What was Gallivan thinking? Yeah, that was one of the few things that, like, really confused me in the season. Because the the season, you know, it's it's got a lot of, you know, twists and whatever. But they're generally rather easy to follow. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, it's like, Gallivant's like, oh, I've got an idea. Let's get Richard drunk. And then also I will get drunk and then the both of us will end up in the dungeon. And what was your plan, Gallivant? Let's kind of backtrack a bit because I wanted to get back to uh, what the, the one song you were talking about, about, you know, happy ending for us where they where Gwen convinces the chef to poison the royals and he kind of chickens out on it. Like, he doesn't want to kill anybody. But, it's like, well, I've served these royals my entire life. I know what they're allergic to. I just put whatever they're allergic to in their food so they can all get sick. Which, on one hand, it shows that the chef is not cold-blooded. Yes, he's, he's treated like crap, but he's not a killer. He doesn't want to kill anybody. But the look of disappointment in Gwen's face when she realizes this, like it, like, like, like I thought we were in on this. I thought that was the plan. We're going to kill these royals and live and live happily. But you chickened out. I'm not sure it's it's necessarily like. Super duper disappointment because she says, like, well, at least there's, like, some good in the world. We're going to die now. 
Because you chickened out. But at least in that moment, they can see the royals being embarrassed. Yeah. That's one consolation. I don't know. I I can't blame the chef for not wanting to go through with it because he's not already, he's not 100% in on, uh, for the plan to begin with. And then Gwen kind of coerces him into it. But, so yeah, him not going through with the plan is not super shocking to me. All right, I think this is the one we really got to talk about. And I'm going to be honest, I think this is the main reason a lot of our circle of friends watch this show is Weird Al Yankovic as the singing monk. Because at one point in the show, on their way to Valencia, in, a, in, in an attempt to stall, Isabella decides, hey, we're going to go visit these monks because uh, you stink, you need a bath, and it would it be a good look for you to, for Madalena to see you stinking. So we're going to go to these monks that have taken a vow of song. Everything they say and do must be sung, and they sing their song. Hey, hey, we're the monks. But do they like to monk around? Uh-huh. 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 Yes. Like, seeing Weird Al as a, in anything is awesome. I, I'll watch Weird Al in anything. But you know, Al singing as as these monks and and the, the jazz hands and all of that, like that whole song again. Like I said, it's not super memorable, but it's Al, so I I I I have it's it's going to be good regardless. Get the holy water and holy and holy soap as well, because holy guacamole, that guy reeks to holy hell. Beautiful line, thank you. <laughs> Beautiful yeah. line and delivered beautifully by Weird Al. I love that Isabella makes him break his vow of song, and he's like, "Come on, stop arguing with me." You know, I, I got to get out there for the big finale. <laughs> like, yeah, like, like, like she is, she is done with the singing monks. He's like, you know, do you know anyone that could help me in my situation? And he brings out, uh, one monk brings out his little pipe to, to sing. He's like, no, no, no. A simple yes or no nod will do. <laughs> you break your vow or I break your face. <laughs> yeah. The uh, thing is, is that there are a lot of good um, guest stars in this. And we've already mentioned some of them. But, like, I think the thing I got most mad about is they bring in Anthony Stewart head as Gallivant's father. And he sings like one line of a song and gets interrupted. And then that is it. And I'm like, you don't bring Tony head on and then not like, let him do his thing. I mean, this guy is one of the most brilliant theatrical you know i mean he is probably probably one of the best frankenfurters to ever play the role not named tim curry yeah i was gonna say he is second only to tim curry as frankenfurter you know like he is absolutely one of the best Mm -hmm. 
you know, you you come you come in and you let him sing like one line of a song and then somebody interrupts him and then we never see him again. And I will say this, they do not bring him back for season two. Yeah, Calum they recast Tom, apart. Yeah, yeah, they recast apart. Which I don't know if it was because he wasn't available or if they wanted an older actor. I don't know. I but, mean, it's just tragic. And, you know, you've got Rutger Hauer in there as Kingsley. Mm-hmm. He's brilliant in the part. But the problem is, is that, once again, underused. He doesn't he, get a song. But the the point is, like, he's in there, he does things, and then they kind of unceremoniously kill him off. I think, I mean, it's supposed to be a shocking kill because you're not supposed to expect Madalena to do it. But, yeah, he. I mean, if you had a potential there for that, I don't know if they could have gotten Regger Howard to come back for season two or not. But to have this character, I mean, he's everything Richard is not. But I think that was kind of the point. He wasn't supposed to be a character that lasted. To have a someone, a Redger Hauer in this role and get him unceremoniously killed off, I believe was the point. I don't know. It's just there are so many people that kind of come in and out and are just so horrifically underutilized. Like uh, Hugh Bonnerville as Peter the Pirate. Yeah. I don't know. I think, again, if we ever do season two, we can kind of go more into that. But uh, so how we end this, the season ends in a cliffhanger. Because we get to the end, uh, like we said, as the as the plan to kill Kingsley fails. Richard and all of Galavan and all of the crew are are put in the dungeon. Richard throughout the entire final episode is trying to have this camaraderie moment with Gareth because they've known each other since they were 10 years old. Gareth has been Richard's loyal bodyguard for as long as he's been the king. So he tries to to have this bonding moment. Hey, remember that song our nanny used to sing to us? Do you remember when we were kids and we used to do this, this, and this, and Gareth is not even having any of it? And Richard, in his sorrow in the dungeon, sings this beautiful song, um, Good Night, My Friend, which was the lullaby that their nanny used to sing to them. And because of the... uh, They mentioned this pretty early on in the episode that the acoustics in the dungeon is very, very good. So good, in fact, that the entire castle can hear Richard singing this lullaby. And it reaches Gareth, this big, tough guy exterior. He kind of touches him to the point where he's going to try to save his friend. He lets Gallivant go. He lets Richard go. Get out of here. They're going to kill you both in the morning if you don't get out of here. 
So get out of here, but only you two. You're the only two that I can let escape right now. There's this great bonding moment at the end with Gareth and Gallivant where they make a promise to each other. I will protect your friends if you protect my friend. Don't let a hair on Richard's head be hurt, and I will not let a single hair on your friends be hurt. It shows that Gareth does care about Richard, not just as a subject to the king, but as an actual friend. And it's a great moment because it shows that even though he is this big, tough guy, I don't hug anybody, I don't say I love you or anything else, that he does care for Richard, even though he won't admit it. So Richard and Gallivant, they escape with the pirates, like I mentioned the pirates earlier. He also allows the rest of Gallivant's friends uh, to escape as well. They escape to they escape to their uh, Isabella's co- uh, cousin's kingdom, and Madalena kills Kingsley, and now seemingly Gareth is now, for lack of a better term, the new king as he takes his seat right next to Madalena at the end of that episode. So now we have these story elements going into season two, where Madalena and Gareth are now the ruling party of Valencia. Um, Isabella, her family, the cook, the handmaiden, and the jester have escaped to the neighboring kingdom of Hortensia, and now Gallivant and Richard are on a pirate ship back to the original kingdom to keep Richard safe. All of these dangling mo It's a good thing season two happened, because if this is the way the entire series would have ended, I would have been mad. <laughs> yeah, nothing... I'm just going to say this, and it's it's a thing that um, was done so well by um, J. Michael Straczynski in Babylon 5. When he did Babylon 5, it was in syndication, and he never knew if another season was going to be picked up. So what he did was he wrapped up all the major storylines for the season, but he left enough things open that if they got picked up he could do another season so if you watch that show each season kind of feels like you get a complete story but if you watch the next season after it feels like a continuous story um and i think more people should learn from that because so many things just get unceremoniously canceled. And then people are like, well, where's the rest of the story? This just ended on a cliffhanger and we never get a resolution. In some cases, during production of a show, they will be told, you are going to be renewed for a new season. And then after production has ended, oh, you're canceled. I mean, I'm dealing with a thing right now where one of my favorite recent shows 
the uh, Snowpiercer, they produced the final season of the show, and then the network decided not to air it. A different company bought the final season, and they're trying to shop it around, and nobody's picked it up yet. There is a completed final season of a show that I love that I cannot see because it got canceled after they finished production of the show. Like, why not just air the thing you already paid for? I mean, we're uh, kind of seeing that now with fully produced movies. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's the most ridiculous thing. So, there is nothing guaranteed, and I think that every creative group who is producing something like this should, especially if you're doing television, for the sake of your audience, wrap up the story. I don't care what you've been promised. I mean, in a way, it does get wrapped up. It's not a happy ending. Like, if this is where the series ends and Richard is safe because he's back in his kingdom, Isabella and their friends are safe because they're in... Uh, they're in the neighboring kingdom. Isabella is now locked in a full-size dollhouse, so she's kind of screwed. And Madalena now has a new romantic partner who is the manly man she's always wanted. Who is not that interested in her. Yeah, we didn't mention it, but yeah, Gareth's type of woman is the extreme. Either you have to be extremely skinny or you have to be extremely fat. No in between. And since she's, you know, she's thin, but she's not. He he talks about wanting somebody who's like. Unhealthily thin. Un, unhealthily, like near death thin. Um, and he says to her at the end, like as they're sitting on the thrones, that she's either going to have to lose a lot of weight or gain a lot of weight for her to be attractive to him. Mm-hmm. So it's the first time somebody looks at her and says, like, you're not attractive. The thing is, is that, like, yeah, they, they come back for a second season, but I haven't seen that one yet, so. Maybe we'll cover it at some point. We'll see. Kiki, based on season one alone, does Gallivant have the magic? Oh, you're going to hate me. Uh, not really. I I did not really super enjoy this. I was, when when you were like, hey, let's do Gallivant, and I was like, oh yeah, I watched the first couple episodes of that. I wonder why I never finished it, and now I kind of remember why. I mean, I had originally wanted to do all 18 episodes, but we just did not have the time to watch all 18 episodes. We're gonna, I'm going to be honest, onto the podcast. We did not have time to watch all 18 episodes this go around, so we just decided on the first season. And I had forgotten that season one ended on a cliffhanger. <laughs> well, it's not the cliffhanger that really bugs me. Mm-hmm. It's kind of everything else. Mm-hmm. 
the thing I think it cuz kind of has to be the both seasons together cuz it does kind of tell a complete story. Cuz season 2 does have a, a a complete ending. But again, maybe we'll get to season 2 at a later date. But for me personally, I say yes. I really did love this show when it was first airing. I was hoping for a season two. I do love the songs. So uh, agree to disagree. I, I really did like season going back to watch season one again. And so, yeah, I mean. That's just me. I really did love going back to season one again, and I, I would love to talk about season two at some point. Well, I mean, it, you know, it just it is what it is. And maybe season two makes season one better. Mm. But, you know, we'll we'll get to that when we get to it. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's all we have to say about Gallivant season one. As for next week, it is our Valentine's episode And we're going to be doing a love story. A love story. This man is going through so much just to be with the woman he loves. He fights cancer to to be with the woman he loves. Of course, I am talking about the romantic love story, Deadpool. Yay! So come back next week for Deadpool. And we will talk to you all next time. Bye. Bye! Don't let the magic stop here. Join our conversations on Facebook, Instagram, and threads at Rewatching the Magic. We are on the X, formerly known as Twitter, at Rewatch the Magic. And new episodes are available every week at rewatchingthemagic.podbean.com. Remember, the magic is for everyone. It only stops if you let it. Podcasts are fun. But there's work to be done. We encourage you to get involved. Here are some organizations we support. The American Civil Liberties Union fights for the constitutional rights of all Americans. Find them at ACLU.org. The National Network of Abortion Funds helps people find access to safe abortion services. Their site is abortionfunds.org. The Trevor Project provides a 24-7 crisis helpline for LGBTQ youth and education services for schools on LGBTQ issues. They can be found at thetrevorproject.org. Or find a way to help in your area.